God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this time. We ask that you bless and God, that you just pour your spirit out, Lord, and uh, uh, just move on our hearts, God, even as we go over these traditions. So thank you for this evening and everyone here, everyone online. And we ask your blessings upon this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So our title, once again, is A Look Into Christmas Traditions. A Look Into Christmas Traditions. I found some interesting and funny traditions from around the world. Uh, In Norway, they actually hide brooms on Christmas Eve. You know why? To keep witches from stealing it. I was thinking, that's so weird. It's, It's not Halloween or anything like that. In Japan, the tradition is to buy a bucket of KFC chicken and eat it on Christmas Eve. Isn't that interesting? Well, Christmas isn't that big in Japan, but what happened, there was this commercial in 1974 about having chicken, you know, in Christmas, and it just turned into this tradition of having KFC on Christmas Eve in Japan. People line up for that stuff, too, over there. In Germany, on Christmas Eve, parents... They go and hide a Christmas pickle, they call it. And just for fun, the kids go and find the pickle. I don't know. They'd be in a pickle, I guess, if they don't find it. In the uh, Czech Republic, on Christmas Eve, single women stand at the front door with their back to the outside. Then they throw a shoe over their shoulder. Now, if the shoe lands toe-facing door, they're going to get married in the next year. If not, they got to try again, I guess, next year and throw the shoe. In Estonia, the family all goes to the sauna together on Christmas. Uh, their, the idea is to wash away any bad blood between them. All the extended relatives, they all come together and they sit and they sweat together. Isn't that fun on Christmas? South Africa, they have a special treat, a Christmas treat. Uh, They uh, fry an emperor moth caterpillar, and they love to eat that. That's their Christmas little treat. It's so popular, the country runs out of them. Yummy. (laughs) In Slovakia, they start Christmas Eve dinner with the head of the family. They throw up in, in the air laksa, which is a potato dough pancake, and they throw it up to the ceiling. Now, if, if the dough uh, sticks to the ceiling uh, and more dough sticks to the ceiling, then there's going to be a better crop. So how do you like that on Christmas Eve? I wonder who cleans all that up, right? <laughs> well, funny Christmas traditions. I'm not sure how these started. There's, you probably look, look it up, but I think it's crazy. Traditions. We all have probably our Christmas traditions. I know I grew up um, with one of our family traditions when I was young was to open one present on Christmas Eve. My sister and I were so excited. We couldn't wait for Christmas morning. So my mom like gave in and said, okay, one present. And then ever since she started that, then we had to stick to that tradition. One present on Christmas Eve. But what about like some of the main Christmas traditions? I mean, I mean, what about like the tree, right? Or the lights or, or, or giving gifts or even Santa or, or the wise men, or all the decorations. I mean, where did those traditions come? What we do every year, what, what, what is it? What is that? Do our traditions, our Christmas traditions glorify Christ? 
What does the Bible say about it? Well, that's what I want to look into tonight. That, you know, let's see what these traditions are about, where they came from. And I thought it might be fun to look into some Christmas traditions. Now, we're going to be looking at at various scriptures. But first of all, if you can turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And the first tradition, Christmas tradition, I want to tackle is this. I want to look into celebrating Christmas on December 25th. You're probably like, wait, what? December 25th. That's Jesus' birthday. Well, it's actually tradition. We traditionally celebrate Christ's birthday on December 25th. Well, well, when is it then, you might be asking. Well, let me tell you, we don't know exactly. Now, traditionally, we celebrate it here December 25th, this month in the winter. But if you read on In uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And in the same region, which is Bethlehem, there there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So they were outdoors in the fields, watching over the flocks at night. Well, in Bethlehem, in that area, in December, the the, the, the highs or even the evenings are usually around low to mid-40s. And so that tells us the shepherds wouldn't be out in a cold like that. They would have already brought the sheep in. So many believe it's in that Jesus actually was born in August. Some even say September. Some even have calculated other things that have gone on to say that it was October. So we don't exactly know, but it was in the warmer months that Jesus was born. So we know it wasn't December 25th. And get this, take note, we don't even know exactly what year. I know we go by like BC or AD, um, uh, Christ was born, and then we switch over uh, um, after Christ was, was born. But uh, most believe Christ was born somewhere between 6 BC and 4 BC. That it was around that time, if you, if you look at the census and Herod and all, the, all these things and calculate some things out in history. So, sad, I'm sorry to say, December 25th is just a tradition for Jesus' birthday. It's a tradition we follow. Well then, how did that come to be? How did December 25th become this tradition? Well, I believe it goes back to 336 A.D., when the Roman Emperor Constantine became a Christian. A Roman Emperor, Constantine, he's famous for this, he became a believer in Christ. And with that, he started changing things in the empire, in the Roman Empire. He actually made Christianity the state religion. He started to, him and his, with his mom who became a believer, started to change, uh, find sites about where like Jesus was born or or. Um, or Jesus died, and all different places, uh, uh, Mary, and they made churches today. There's churches there in these sites. But one of the things that he did was he changed all the Roman pagan holidays to Christian holidays. And one of the main ones was he took the Roman holiday Saturnalia. 
Saturnalia means like the unconquerable sun. And Saturnalia, for the Romans, they would celebrate basically the birthday of the sun. And what it was was on December 19th, or like today, December 20th, the darkest, the, the shortest day, right? After this day, the days start turning around to get longer. Well, that was the point in time that they would celebrate the sun, the birthday of the sun, Saturnalia, and they'd actually have a holiday about it. They'd have parties, they, they um, have special music, they even gave gifts and, and baked things, uh, cooked things and stuff like that. Well, Constantine, Emperor Constantine, being a Christian, wanted to turn all this around and make everything about Jesus. So he turned Saturnalia into Jesus' birthday. He officially made it the day to celebrate Jesus' birthday. So it was around this time, 19th or the 20th, that he made this Christ's birthday. But several centuries later, no one knows exactly, then uh, uh, people start to celebrate on the 25th. And now today, uh, we celebrate Jesus' birthday on December 25th. And so that's what we've been doing for a long, long time. So... December 25th, celebrating Christmas on December 25th is really the traditional day to celebrate uh, Christ's birth. Now, I have to say today the world's forgotten all the Saturnalia things. I mean, we, we, we center, right, mostly, especially as Christians, we still center it on Christ Jesus. That This is what it's about. Even if it's not really his, his exact birthday, we still focus in on that. Though we see things drifting, it has been for a while, right, that these are the holidays, yeah, uh, that it, it's no longer Christmas break, it's holiday break or winter break, you know, things like that. Of trying to, people are trying to be political correct. But we believe that no, we're going to celebrate. We hold to the tradition that this we're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Now, sometimes, though, the question comes up. As believers, is it wrong to celebrate Christmas, Christ's birthday, on December 25th? Because it has pagan roots, right? And some people feel, yes, it's wrong. The roots are real pagan. And some people, they say, no, we're not going to do that. And they join with the Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't celebrate Christmas um, because it's a birthday too. Um, and so some people feel funny about that. You know what? For me, for me, I, I don't want to focus on what the exact day is because we don't know. We don't really know what day. But I do want to focus in on the miraculous event of prophecy being fulfilled when the Messiah came to this earth, when God, right, became a human being born as a baby boy to come to this earth. That's what it's about. That's what, it, it, what really matters. And I'll tell you, we know the story, like in Luke 2, we're at that angels, right? They came and rejoiced over Christ's birth. This was big news, and we'll talk more about it this weekend. But So I focus more on that. Rather than, well, it's not the day, it's not that. Well, you know, I'm glad we get to celebrate that moment. We don't know whatever day it is or not. But what we know is God's incredible love came and through Jesus Christ. So, you know, I celebrate Jesus Christ and his love, love uh, coming down. Now, either way, 
I mean, we can all agree on this, that no matter what day it is or if you do or not, you know what? Every day is kind of like Christmas anyway. We celebrate Christ's coming. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave, right, his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so I think, I think it's great to at least have some time, a season, that we can focus in on Christ's first coming. And besides that, I think because we have, and, and perhaps it's God in his sovereign plan to let us have a Christmas season, right? That during this time, what better time and opportunity we have to share Jesus, the real reason for Christmas. So whatever you, you feel, do what you feel it is right before the Lord, what you feel right, and we respect each other. You know what? We, we need to do this for the Lord. I want you to see the scripture. Turn to Romans 14, 5. Romans 14, 5. It says in Romans 14, 5, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So whatever you feel, and even on all these traditions we go to, go through, you know what, what? What you feel, do what you feel is right before you and the Lord. And do that, just as Romans 14, 5 talks about. All right, let's go on to the second tradition I'm going to follow is setting up the Christmas tree. Setting up the Christmas tree. But, I mean, what would Christmas be without the tree, right? We've got a little tree right there. I mean, it, it, it would be so empty, right? So where did Christmas trees come from? Well, you know from where? A tiny little seed planted in the ground and it grew up. Then we chop it down. No, unless it's fake, if it's plastic one. Well, anyway, <laughs> that was a joke. Okay, I know. Online, they were laughing really hard. I know it. <laughs> the, the first, they say this. Now, the first official Christmas tree was set up in the 1500s in Germany. And it was done by the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther. The story goes, he was, he was walking, it was during Christmas time, and uh, he was walking outdoors and, outdoors, and he saw the forest and the trees, and he saw stars in the sky, and he decided to chop a tree down, bring it into the house, and put candles on it and as, as lights on the tree, um, which to me seems so dangerous. But, but I guess back then, they were more safe, I don't know. But he brought the tree in, put candles on it, and you know what? He told his family this. He, he read Isaiah 60, 13, which says, The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. So, so all that was to celebrate Christ. Today we have that beauty of the Christmas tree in our houses. And I believe it, it's to reflect the beauty of Christ. And the, the lights on the tree, how he lights our hearts. That, that's the tree. That's what it, it really, it's, it's part of all this birthday for Jesus. Now let me say this though. Some believe that having a Christmas tree is really idolatry it's because they take jeremiah chapter 10 verse 3 and 4 and it speaks on how uh the pagan nations take a tree from the forest they 
cut it down, they form it, and they decorate it with silver and gold. So a lot of people read that and go, oh, see? Oh, no, we're not supposed to do that with trees. That's what it's talking about. But that really isn't what it's talking about. If, if you, uh, people do that, it's really a false claim that God is saying no Christmas trees because there was no Christmas trees back then, right? Back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah's time. No, no one had that. What Jeremiah is talking about is how these nations would go to the forest, cut a tree down, uh, uh, sculpt it, form it into an image, into something, decorate it in a way so that then they would worship and make it into an idol, and they would worship that idol. Isaiah 44 talks about in the same way. If you, if you just read the whole passage, you see what it's talking us about, these Gentile nations uh, worshiping idols and how they, how they make it, how they put it in their homes, all of that. So Jeremiah 10 does not apply to Christmas trees. There's no Christmas trees back then. And it's not talking about that. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about Christmas trees. So, hey, I think it's okay, yeah? Uh, whatever you feel, again, whatever you feel before the Lord, you do what's right. I, I do feel this. There's one way we can apply Jeremiah 10. When that Christmas song comes on, Oh, Christmas tree, right? Don't, you better not bow down and sing to your tree. <laughs> then I think it applies, no, you can't do that. I, I've, I've taken off my playlist, so we've got to take that one off. But anyway, you know, where they're singing to the Christmas tree and all that. All right, the third tradition is putting out all the Christmas decorations. Putting out all the Christmas decorations. Now, probably like you guys, we have bins and bins and bins, big bins full of decorations, you know. And uh, like we decorated in here in the church. And, and it takes a while, yeah. Sometimes days, yeah, put the tree, decorations, decorations around the house, everything. Um, we're so behind this year. Uh, but, but Kristen's been working hard every day and got the room looking good. Uh, no lights outside yet. Yeah, I know, but hopefully I'll, I'll get to that. But how about lights? How about the garland, right? How about ornaments, glitter, gold, all these decorations? Now, some feel we shouldn't do that because... Back in Rome, in ancient times, when they celebrated Saturnalia, they did have some of these elements. They did decorate. They, they put greenery around their homes. Funny, huh? They did that. It, it was all part of this, oh, you know, the sun's coming in again, and the harvest, and, you know, looking to agriculture and all this stuff. But remember, Constantine changed all that to reflect Christ, to, to celebrate the birth of Christ. So I think today it's changed in that way, you know. It's for Christ. It, it, it's not, yeah, maybe it started that way, but it doesn't mean the same thing today. And I think that's okay. I think that's all right. You know what's interesting? I just read this today. Did you know the swastika, you know, the Nazi symbol, that originally way back it was a good luck symbol it was it was a symbol for prosperity people used that in that way but after today after what happened right with hitler and everything oh no it's a symbol of evil right well it's it's a, a symbol of the nazis no we we wouldn't you know put that on the wall though we saw one didn't we 
on our trip somewhere. I thought we saw one. Yeah, we were like, whoa, that is weird. It was on a building. But anyway, um, yeah, we would never do that. So that flipped around, you know, through, through the centuries because of an event. Well, maybe decorating as its pagan roots, but no more. I, you know, this is the way I see it. I see the modern Christmas decorations. They're, they're decorations for a party. It's a birthday party. It's Jesus' birthday party. I mean, how many you know, of us have decorated for a birthday party you know, for our kids, right? That's what this is. It has meaning behind it because it's his birthday, and this is how we decorate it, and this is the style in how we decorate it. Maybe like um, for Manu, it was, it was uh, uh, tractors and stuff like that, or you know, a girl is a, a unicorns. But for us, this is the way we decorate for Jesus's birthday. And it's okay. How about bells? Some people say, oh, in pagan rituals, bells were rung to scare away evil spirits. You shouldn't use that. I was thinking, are demons really scared of bells? Right? <laughs> no, of course not. Well, the church started to use bells to, to call people to come to church. That's where it started, in church bells. And then on Christmas Eve, they used the bells to, you know what, make a joyful noise to joyfully proclaim Christ's birth. That's, that's the bells on Christmas Eve. How about the nativity scene? Uh, it was first put out by Francis of Assisi in 1223 A.D. after he went to the Holy Land, and he made a little nativity scene. Na- nativity is really uh, taken from the Latin word uh, nativu, which means arisen by birth. So that's where you get the little nativity scene. And I think it's great. It's not an idol. We're not worshiping, you know, Jesus, little baby Jesus in there. But I, I, I think it, it's a great depiction of Christ coming. And then I think it's a great way to talk to people about it. Oh, here's, here's what happened. By the way, how, you know, Noel, Noel, sometimes we say that. It comes from, and I can't say this, Joel. Joël Noël, which Joël Noël, which is French, right? And it means Merry Christmas. And some even say that it's the French word Noël. No, no, I can't say it, but anyway, um, which means news. And so that kind of makes sense because that's why we sing the first Noël, right? Or the first Christmas, or the first news. Anyway, how about the mistletoe? Mistletoe. Well, I would say that's not a Christian thing. Uh, no. Act, it, the mistletoe is actually a parasitic plant. I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know how it spread? Through bird feces. And in Norse, Norse, Norway mythology, it was used as poison. And you kiss under that? What do you, bird feces? You know, to me, that's kind of weird. The Druids actually first used it to um, declare a truce between enemies. So maybe that's part of it. But I don't know. To me, it's kind of worldly because it's kind of a worldly way of, you know, oh, oh, kiss, you know. Or you think, I was thinking today, like, oh, yeah, what, what if you're at some, some 
church event and they have mistletoe. Oh, two single Christians. Oh, kiss, kiss. That's not right, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, I don't think that's a Christian thing. All right, let's go on to number four. The fourth tradition I wanted to hit is um, sending Christmas cards. I think that's a very nice tradition. Uh, the first Christmas cards were actually made in, uh, in 1846 in England. But you know what? The Christians back then, they, 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 didn't, they rejected. They didn't like it. They voiced, what is that? Because on the card, on the card it depicted people like drinking and partying. <laughs> that was a Christmas card. But uh, 25 years later, of course, things changed, and it was very widely used. And to me, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with it. We, we send birthday cards. We send thank you cards. We send, you know, wedding, uh, all kinds, yeah. Why not Christmas cards? I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And today I think it's a great way to show your love and witness Jesus, the real reason for the season. Uh, I, I think that if you send a card, make sure you have a scripture in it, maybe the word of God, because we know the power of the word, yeah? Because God is behind the truth in those words. By the way, some might write on the cards an X, right, instead of uh, Christ. They'll say Xmas. And you know what I just found out uh, just the other day that we think, wow, you're, you know, this is the world. This is the war on Christmas. They're, they're taking Christ out and putting an X there. But I just found out that the Greek word for Christ is spelled X. P-I-O-T-O-C. Um, there's probably a little bit different letters in the Greek. But it starts with the X. So originally, people write X and M-A-S for an abbreviation for Christmas. I thought, oh, okay. I'm okay with it. Xmas then. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. No conspiracy going on there, right? <laughs> so let's go on to number five. Uh, the fifth Christmas tradition is Christmas and Santa Claus. This is a big one. Santa's very big in our Christmas season. You know, that big, jolly old man in a red suit. Ho, 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 right? Santa Claus, right? He goes by many names, uh, you know, otherwise known as Kris Kringle or Santa Claus or Saint Nick, right, in some of these songs. Well, I think Saint Nick is the closest to this real person. There was a real person. He was a priest. He became a saint later after he died, and he's known as Saint Nicholas. He lived in 270, he lived from 270 AD to 343 AD. Now, I have to tell you, not much is known about him, but there are these legends about him and these legends talk about how he he grew up in a very rich household but he became a priest and when his parents passed away he took the inheritance and he turned that around to help the poor to support them and so many times he'd go around and he didn't want people to know he was very humble about it so he would put like coins in their shoes and leave that there there's a story that says that uh, one time this family uh, who, who was really poor, uh, the father was unable to provide for this family. Well, 
Nicholas went up to the roof and secretly and to the chimney and dropped a whole bunch of coins down the chimney so that they wouldn't know who gave it to them. Interesting, yeah? Chimney, all this stuff. Well, after he died, he became the patron saint of, saint of children. And they would celebrate this patron, Saint Nicholas, on December 6th. You know what they do? They, they would fill children's shoes with, with um, gifts and candy. And so that became that sort of tradition. Well, Sinterklaas... Uh, Immigrants brought that tradition to the United States. Then, in 1832, Clement Moore wrote a poem. And the poem began with this line, "'Twas the night before Christmas." The poem was actually called A Visit from St. Nicholas. And we know that poem today, right? It was, it was the night before Christmas, all through the house. Not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. <laughs> I was trying to do something weird. But anyway, well, that really encapsulated or started to bring out Santa Claus. Well, then the, an image of Santa came out in 1881. What is that like? 50, almost 50 years later, by a political cartoonist named Thomas Nast. He drew an illustration for the poem. And that is depicted what we know today as Santa. That's when Santa became Santa. So that's really how Santa Claus came into being to tradition. And from there, of course, there's all kinds of things that happened and added right? Today, Santa's everywhere at Christmas. So the question always comes up, though, is it wrong for Christians to promote Santa? Is it wrong, you know, especially with their keiki, right? Well, this is me. And again, whatever you feel is right before the Lord, you can do. But this is me. Why not just tell the truth? Yeah, just tell the truth. Yeah, he was a real person not like the what i call a cartoon you know today like we see today i mean it's fun santa's fun it's entertaining um it's like frosty the snowman you know it's fun it's a it's a fun thing like the grinch it's fun to pretend you know in the magicalness of the north pole and the elves and reindeer that fly it can be fun he was a real person but it, it really isn't you know what this uh, uh, we see like in, in shows and cartoons and things. So uh, Santa, Christmas, it's up to you. You can do what you feel is right before the Lord. But that, that's how, how we took it and that's how I feel like. All right, six, number six I have is giving of gifts at Christmas, that tradition. I mean, again, what is Christmas without presents, yeah? Trees, presents, presents under the trees. Well, some say, well, these, you know, presents have roots in these pagan festivals again, all that. And yeah, maybe. Let me tell you, Saturnalia, uh, what I read, not everyone knows for sure, but they have bits and pieces of things. But maybe. But I think about it this way. 
whether there's birthdays, whether there's, there's like a new neighbor, or whether there's, you just want to, pagan holiday or not, we as humans, we like to give gifts, right? I mean, it's just something we do. So why not at Christmas? By the 1800s, gift giving became a big part of Christmas and, and, and a lot to Queen Victoria in England, I mean, her influence, which is interesting because she influenced the country a lot, brought in trains, a lot of modern things, but gift giving was one of those things. So it's a big tradition for Christmas in giving gifts. And, and, and I think I, I like to tie it to this. The tradition of giving gifts at Christmas, I like to tie it that we as Christians, as believers, we like to give gifts because God gave the greatest gift, Jesus. And so we want to give in that way too. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's what God did for us. So, I like to give gifts. Yeah, I care, you know, about people, and I want to show them my appreciation. But more than that, I want to share that, you know, God gave us a gift, so I want to give you a gift in the same way so that you would know what it's like to, get, to receive a gift, and you can receive the gift of Christ. All right, number seven, we have eight of these. So number seven, some say gift uh, giving actually originated with the wise men. So let's talk about that tradition. Number seven is the arrival of the wise men at Christmas. After reading a Christmas story from a children's book, a daycare teacher asked the kids, what do we call the three wise men? Well, a five-year-old boy said, three maggots. (laughs) Okay, corrected the teacher. What gifts did that magi bring baby Jesus? The same five-year-old spoke up and said, gold, Frankensteins, and Smurfs. (laughs) I like that. Well, turn over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And chapter 2, you can read it later, really speaks about the wise men and the whole story. And, And we understand, right, they followed the star and the stars mentioned here. God put a star up there and guided the wise men. The wise men were like astrologists. Uh, they, were, they were advisors to royalty. Uh, many believe that uh, they probably were following Daniel's prophecy. Daniel was, was like that type of person, that level in the government in Babylon uh, that these magi were. Back in Daniel's time, there was magi there too. So in the time of Jesus, they were like astrologists and looked for signs and help advise kings. And, and here God in his grace showed them a star and they followed that star. And that's what we find in, in like verse uh, 2 and verse 11. That's the Christmas star that we put on our tree or we put up here and there. All right. So these wise men now, let me give you three things that what we traditionally talk and say and sing is not true. First of all, is there are not three wise men. There's always that talk about three wise men. Uh, in Matthew 2, nothing says that there's three. There could have been a whole bunch of them. Verse 1 says, uh, Behold, wise men came from the east. Not three, nothing like that. Uh, I th- the tradition really that there's three comes from verse 11. 
And let's read that. It says, And going into the house, they saw the child of Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold, uh, we believe it's for, for deity, for a royal, give a gift to Jesus. Uh, frankincense, it's a very expensive, sweet, uh, like perfume, uh, kind of a uh, uh, kind of like a dressing kind of hymn. And myrrh is a bitter herb, perhaps maybe even prophesying his death. So anyway, um, they gave him these, well, there's three gifts that are mentioned here. So tradition probably came up with three kings or three magi they really were uh, with those three gifts. But we don't know. There, there could have been five of them. You know, there could have been seven of them. We just don't know. Tradition also says their names was Gaspar, Melchior, and Casper. Yeah, Gaspar, Casper, or, yeah, and Melchior. I, was, I know I was thinking Casper the Friendly Ghost, but, uh, Ga- but tradition names them, but the Bible has no names in there at all. So, don't sing we three kings of Orient. You could take that off the playlist, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. So first thing in our tradition, the Bible tells us there's not three wise men. Second thing is they did not come on Christmas. You're probably like, wait, what? What? Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 again, it says that... Um, they went into the house and they saw what? The child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped. Not a baby in swaddling clothes like the angel told the shepherds. You'll find a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger. That's not what we find here. Uh, it's believed that Jesus at this time was probably more like a toddler. And that comes from later in this passage when Herod, remember when the wise men didn't come back and tell him where Jesus was and uh, God told him, the wise men, not, not to do that. They, they left. And so Herod got mad that they left without telling him. And so he put out an order to kill young children from two years and younger. Why? Because that would cover Jesus. So that's why it's believed that uh, Jesus was, Toddler, probably maybe one or two years old, when the wise men came. And here we read in verse 11 that they came to not a baby in swaddling clothes, but a child. Also, so, so there's not three wise men. They didn't come on Christmas. And I have to say the third thing is they did not join the shepherds. You know, nativity scene, right? You have the shepherds and you have the wise men, right? The angel and and little baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary. The wise men did not join the shepherds. Because again, in verse 2, I mean chapter 2, verse 11, they, where did, and where did they go? And going into what? The house. It wasn't some stable where there's a manger of keeping animals. No, it it was a house. So by then, probably Joseph found some place for them to stay until Jesus was older. And actually, um, later you, you read an angel told Joseph, hey, get out of town. And he went to Egypt until 
Herod passed away because Herod was out to get Jesus. So they were in a house. So the, the wise men didn't join the shepherds. Isn't that interesting to find these things? Traditions seem to morph and change some things, you know, into making the wise men there. But that's not really true. That's why I know all these years to be biblically correct. Kristen would put the wise men way across the room. <laughs> some, some say they probably traveled 700 to 800 miles to get there. So, yeah, they were way over there, you know, kind of thing. Well, something to think about, right? But it does tell us how traditions can clash with what the Bible says. And so we've got to be careful of that. We've got to keep the Bible above the traditions. We've got to say... Understand that the truth in the Bible is the truth, and traditions, uh, if it clashes, aren't right. I like something Warren Wiersbe said Do not sow the Word of God plus man's philosophies, man's theories, man's traditions, just sow the pure Word of God. So I think we need to be careful that we hold traditions loosely. Now, it's okay. I mean, we have our own traditions, family traditions. We have our Christmas traditions. I think we can hold them loosely and not let them be our rule or standard. The Bible is always that. And let them never be over the Word of God. All right, last tradition is, number eight, going through the Advent calendar. The Advent calendar. I think this is great for kids. Um, the Advent calendar, it's 24 Daily scripture passages to be read every day that lead up to Christmas. Um, the word ad, Advent is Latin for uh, the coming. And really it's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Uh, centuries ago, Christians felt that it wasn't enough to celebrate Jesus just on the one day, on December 25th. So they decided, let's start on December 1st. And every day, you know, focusing on Christ with these scriptures. I like that. I like that idea. I mean, even us, uh, we try. We didn't this year, but we're running behind. But And I remember when Janae was small, she goes, let's put the Christmas tree up. Don't tell anybody. But we, we started in November. You know, I like that just to make it last longer. Well, in Germany, a mom made the first Advent calendar for her son centuries ago. And the first one had candy for each day for the child. Well, that caught on, and then people began to make and, and publish and print and all, all of that. But I, I like that. I like how Christmas is not just one day, but the whole season. And, and, and that something we want it to be yeah not just the 25th or we read luke or not just our christmas eve service or christmas sunday service you know but it's it's this whole season we're remembering jesus christ that christmas is about christ right did you know christmas uh, comes from the only time the catholic church has a midnight mass when that's the only time midnight Mass is allowed, and that's Christmas Eve, so it's Christ Mass. It comes from that, Christmas. And Christmas, Christ Mass turned into Christmas. So let the reason for Christmas sit deep in your heart. Yeah. Let it be there and not get lost 
in this busyness of the season. I know we're, we're in this last push, in this last week before Christmas on Monday, and uh, we, we have our Christmas Eve service, you know, uh, the morning one in the morning, and then Sunday night we're going to be right back here with our Christmas Eve service, and uh, maybe candlelight. If you have any, well, we can probably still do it. We'll see how many candles we get left. But we, you know, we, we don't want the busyness of all this, yeah, to crowd out why we celebrate. It's his birthday. We got to stop and let Christmas become Christmas. And so this is a good place to end. You know, let your traditions come to one thing, Jesus. Let Jesus be glorified in, in, in all the things in Christmas. I want you to turn to one last scripture, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And, and our last scripture here, I want you to keep this in mind through this season. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen? I want to close with this. This is what someone did. Um, the candy cane. The history tells us, oh, I forgot to get my candy cane. But, um, you know, a candy cane, right? Um, yeah, give me one. Kristen has secret candy. No, <laughs> she brought it for church. Um, these are kind of, well, this one broken. Oh, here we go. So uh, we know a candy cane, right? History tells us that back in 1670, the choir leader in Germany uh, bent a sugar stick. Uh, there wasn't, no stripes, was all white, bent a sugar stick in the shape of a shepherd's crook and uh, to give to children. You know why? To keep them occupied during the long Christmas Eve service. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You know what? That caught on to all the churches. And so the tradition was on Christmas Eve, every, every child gets a little white uh, shepherd crook during Christmas Eve. Then in 1919, a guy named Bob McCormick made them into a sh more of a shape of a, a J, more, more of a J. And so now it's believed that originally the candy maker believed that the J shape, he wanted more a J to represent Jesus on Christmas Eve. And he added thin, I don't know if you can see the thin red stripes to represent why that Jesus came to suffer, and the thick red stripes to represent his blood that was shed for our sins when he grew up and died on a cross. The white color, before this it was all white, but the white color represents the sinless nature of Jesus who took our sins to save us. So isn't that cool? Even the candy cane, if and if, it, if we believe that, wow, this is the, the, the candy maker's intent. This is the gospel right here. This glorifies Jesus. This points to Jesus. So in what we can, as much as we can, let's do the same. Let's put Jesus 
into our Christmas traditions as you look into Christmas traditions. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for Christmas, Lord. I love it, God. I love the look, the feel, the decorations, Lord. I love the music. I love how it, it's all about you, Jesus, and how it, it, it talks of you. It's about you, your birthday, and what you've done to come and save us. And so tonight, we celebrate you and all that you have done for us. Thank you, God. Thank you for our Christmas traditions, Lord. Thank you for um, how we can see you in them, Lord, and how Christmas is truly about you, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen.